Orchestraville. Time now for spinning my dad's vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Baccarello. Thanks, sweetie. And thank you for tuning into episode 57 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. And welcome to the first 78 RPM Sunday. My earliest memories of listening to and playing music in my parents' house involved this collection. It was created to teach children the instruments and the orchestra, but definitely not be boring about it, well, for 1949. So get ready to hear the instruments talk in Volume 57, Rusty in Orchestraville. Once there was a little fellow named Rusty, just about your age. His mother wanted him to be a musician, and once a week she would take him to Miss Spear, the piano teacher, to study. Every day at home, Rusty would have to sit at the piano and practice the scales. After a while, Rusty grew very tired of playing the same thing over and over again, until one day... Scales! They're no fun! If I could play a real piece, maybe, but just plain old scales. I don't think I like this old piano anyway. Mom isn't home, so I'll just sit in this big old chair. She'll think I've been practicing all the time. Anyway, I'm sleepy. I can have a good rest. <sighs> this is more like it. Uh... Rusty, Rusty, wake up. What? Huh? Where am I? You're in Orchestraville. Orchestraville? Where's that? Orchestraville is where all the instruments live. The violins, trumpets, drums, all the musical instruments, even your friend the piano. The piano is no friend of mine. I don't like the piano. Oh, I wouldn't say that, Rusty. After all, some of my best friends are pianos. Who are you anyway? I'm the conductor of Orchestraville. I rule over all the instruments. Would you like to meet some of them? Uh, I, I want to go home. Oh, come now, Rusty. All the instruments like to have visitors, and we'll be glad to meet you. Except maybe Peter the piano. You haven't said very nice things about him, you know. Ah, uh, what do instruments know anyway? They can't talk or say anything. I wouldn't be too sure of that, Rusty. Look. Here comes Vera the violin. Why don't you say hello to her and see whether she can talk or not? Uh, 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 hello, Miss Violin. Rusty, Rusty. Why, you can really talk. Violin sakes are my child, of course I can. Uh, why don't you play something with Vera, Rusty? play the violin? Oh, yes, you can. You see, any little boy who is lucky enough to get into Orchestraville can play any instrument he wants. Go ahead, Rusty. Put the violin under your chin and try. Well, 
I'll try, but... I can! I can play the violin! Yes, Rusty. See if you can play Zagoinavison by Sarasati. There was Henry Blair and Billy Bletcher giving us an introduction to the concept of this album. Okay, why this album for this episode? Well, when my sister and brother-in-law found the first box of 78 RPM records after my dad passed away, I was surprised to see how few records were in the box. And I definitely knew there was at least one collection missing, but it had been so long ago, I couldn't quite remember. Then several months ago, Michelle called to tell me that Aaron had found several more boxes deep in the recesses of their basement. And lo and behold, I now had the missing piece to the puzzle, the album you are listening to on this episode. So why did they have all the 78s? Because my brother-in-law had obtained an old Victrola from a neighbor of his many years ago. And when he mentioned it to my dad, my dad said that he had some shellac records Aaron could use on it. Well, as my sister puts it, quote, Dad graciously donated all of them. I sure as hell didn't request any, unquote. (laughs) I think she's happy that they're in my possession now. So now, the more than 178 RPM shellac records are now part of this show's library, and you'll hear selections every last Sunday of the month with a couple of exceptions. By the way, the collection also introduced me to not only the instruments, but to some popular classical music pieces as well. So let's get on to those instruments. violins, mother and father, the cello and big bass file. My, you have a deep voice, Mr. Bass File. I'm afraid he's a little big for you to play. Why don't you try playing the cello first? I'd be honored, Master Rusty, if you would. All right, if you think I can. Try a part of the Swan by Sasson. Big bass pile too? Well, all right. 
other wing. I want to play him, too. I don't think the piano feels any too friendly towards you, Rusty. Suppose we meet one of the most distinguished members of the Brass family, Tommy the Trumpet. A trumpet? A real trumpet? Gosh. Well, say goodbye to your string friends, and I'll take you to his house. Goodbye. Music, Rusty, not noise. Don't let Tommy hear you talk that way. Here's the trumpet now. Look how bright and shiny he is. I want to play him. What would you like you play? Play uh, Tommy's favorite, the Carnival of Venice. Record two, side one, or side B, the way they have labeled these. That's so you could play all three side ones, then flip all three over on that automatic record changer, and then play the the three second side. So that was the violin, cello, and bass section with Arthur Bernstein on bass, Kurt Rehar on cello, and David Frasina on violin. All right, let me introduce you to the selection for this episode. Henry Blair and Billy Bletcher, Rusty in Orchestraville. It's on the Capitol Records label, number DCN115. It is a shellac 10-inch, 78 RPM, three-box set, album box set. It was released in 1949. It's the classical children's genre, and its style is educational story. Now we're going to use the liner notes as the bio for this episode, so we'll move on to what Discogs.com has valued this collection. Not a lot of room there. Lowest at $8, highest at $9, with a median smack dab in the middle at $8.50. It was last sold on Discogs.com on December 26, 2020. eBay had a couple ranging from $10 to $34, with a set of those released as 45 RPM. And Amazon had a copy for $9.99. Now, the record in my dad's collection, they are in better shape than I thought thought they would be, especially compared to the other 78s in this collection. Uh, For the most part, uh, the spoken words can be heard. They're easy to understand, uh, except for on part five and six, they start to fade into the uh, the hissiness of the background. The sturdy cover, almost almost a hardback book covered in paper artwork itself is not bad. A little wear and tear on the edges. Of course, it has my dad's address label on it. The internal sleeves holding the records are also in really good condition, which probably helped preserve them much better. I'll value my dad's album as priceless. This one means too much to me. I'd never sell it, but if somebody had to sell it, uh, we'll call it five bucks. Okay. Carnival of Venice is nice, but I requested Flight of the Bumblebee.
just Tommy's older brother, Tony the trombone. Why does he keep sticking out his tongue at me? That's his slide. That's how he changes tones by sliding it in and out. Just like this. <laughs> Tommy the trombone just loves to play Chopin's Nocturne in E flat. Why don't you play it on him, Rusty? Well, I'll try. like to rest a while and listen to all of Orchestraville play at once. All at once? Yes, Rusty. That's called an orchestra when a lot of instruments play together. They're tuning up now. Hear them? I'm going to lead them. So let's hurry over. We're going to play the Andante from Haydn's Surprise Symphony. What did you say they're going to play? We're going to play the Surprise Symphony by Haydn. Gee, what's that about? What's the surprise? Well, Rusty, while we're walking, I'll tell you about it. Side C with trumpet and trombone. Sticking his tongue out at us was Edward Coosby and on trumpet, Del Stegers. Let's learn about this interesting concept in early recording. And I'm going to use the notes from the album jacket for that. Rusty in Orchestraville is probably the most refreshing and painless course in music appreciation ever offered to youngsters who are studying or will someday study music. This is definitely something new and novel in education and entertainment. Rusty is like a good many other boys and girls. He takes piano lessons and he balks at daily practicing. But one day, little Rusty has a dream, an exciting, entertaining dream, in which musical instruments actually talk. And when he awakens, he rushes to the piano, determined to master the instrument. In the dream, young Rusty meets with the orchestra conductor and the resulting tour, which finds him being introduced to all the instruments of the orchestra, leads into a miniature symphony concert. Excerpts from other favorite classical compositions also are heard when Rusty learns that he can play any instrument even without practicing it via the magic of Orchestraville. Young Rusty makes friends with all the members of the symphony family, the woodwinds, the brass, and the strings. The piano, however, avoids meeting him because of his steadfast refusal to practice diligently. Finally, they meet. The climax comes when the boy is treated to a lovely piano solo. The inspiration is so great that when his mother awakens him from the dream, he astonishes her by jubilantly announcing his ambition to become a great musician. Yes, and by a well-earned practice makes perfect lesson. 
Noted Hollywood artists who are featured as soloists within this album include Raymond Turner, piano, David Fresina, violin, Kurt Rahar, cello, Arthur Bernstein, bass violin, Del Stegars, trumpet, and Edward Coosby on trombone. The specially composed background music throughout, as well as the arrangements and the various accompaniments, are the work of Billy May. The story is by Alan W. Livingston. Rusty and Orchestraville fills the need for a sugar-coated musical appreciation course for juveniles. Capital is proud and privileged to offer it to the legion of perplexed and fretting moms and dads who entertain high hopes for their children's mastery of music. It really works. The tones of the musical instruments themselves are made to speak and sing words in their own voices by means of sonovox, the, the method invented by Gilbert Wright, and no human voices are used. And I'll tell you about that coming up in this episode's interesting side note. So it doesn't come as a surprise to you. Joseph Haydn lived a long time ago in Austria. When he was a little boy, he practiced his music lessons very diligently. And when he grew up, he became a great musician. Everyone loved the music he wrote, especially his beloved prince, Prince Nicholas. This prince built a brand new palace at Esterhase, where all the royal people were invited to hear Haydn conduct. But where is the surprise? Now, wait a minute, Rusty, and I'll get to that. Haydn loved his prince and was always thrilled to play before all these famous people. However, the musical concert usually came after all the guests had finished a big banquet. Then, when they would come in to hear the music, but the seats were so comfortable and they had eaten so much that many of them would fall asleep during the music. (laughs) I'll bet Mr. Haydn didn't like that. By no means, Rusty. And this is where the surprise comes in. Haydn wrote a special part in the second movement of the symphony just for the people who fell asleep at his concert. He wrote it very soft and sweet and quiet, thinking that this would even help put his audience to sleep. But why would he want to do that? You will see now. In the music, just about the time that Haydn thought that many of the people would just be dozing off, he had the musicians play a big loud chord so that... I know, so that he would make everybody wake up. That's right, Rusty. Are you going to start the music now? I want to hear that part. Uh, Here we are, so we'll start right away. You stay close by me, and you can hear how Haydn played this same symphony many years ago. I'll stay close. Quiet, everyone, quiet. again. If you listen carefully, you might even hear the prince snoring.
Haydn's Surprise Symphony makes up Side D. Time now for this episode's interesting side note, and it has to do with how they made the instruments talk. Rusty in Orchestraville was one of the first recordings to use electronically synthesized sound. A device called a sonovox was used to blend human speech with instruments to make them appear to speak. Instead of a throat microphone modulating a guitar signal, it used small transducers attached to the performer's throat to pick up voice sounds. The Sonovox was marketed and promoted by the Wright Sonovox Company, an affiliate of the Free and Peters Advertising Agency. The Sonovox was used in many radio station IDs and jingles produced by Jam Creative Production and the PAMS Advertising Agency in Dallas, Texas. Lucille Ball made one of her earliest film appearances during the 1930s in a Pathé newsreel demonstrating the Sonovox. The first use in music was a score by Ernst Talk in the Paramount picture The Ghost Breakers in June of 1940. The Sonovox was used to produce the voice of the anthropomorphic train Casey Jr. in the 1941 animated film Dumbo and was also used for the talking piano in a children's record issued on Capitol Records entitled Sparky's Magic Piano, which is kind of a companion album to the one you're listening to now. Now, I wanted to read a paragraph from this article. The inventor of the Sonovox, which originally appeared in Time Magazine July 24th, 1939, the year the Sonovox was introduced. Six months ago, while Gilbert Hunger Wright was meditatively scratching the bristly whiskers on his Adam's apple, he noticed that queer sounds came out of his mouth. When he silently mouthed words, the sounds caused by scratching his whiskers were formed into words. Fascinated, Gilbert Wright, who was once an engineer and radio operator, began to experiment further. Finally, he came up with a device which his father, who by that time was also interested, christened Sonovox. So, there you go. <laughs> I wonder what I could invent by scratching my beard. However, there's also a quick side note to this episode's interesting side note. I found that Time Magazine article actually on another website, jinglesamplers.com. Now, coming from radio, I know plenty of colleagues who collect jingles and other early radio ads. As I got partway down the page while reading the story, there was a photo of one of the jingle collectors that I know Using the device, it's captioned, Dave Sharp doing the Sonovox thing, 1995. Now, I've known Dave since my Ohio School of Broadcast Technique days, both as a student and lab supervisor in the early 1980s. My first full-time radio job in 1982, I took over his shift at WBBG in Cleveland. That's the station I talk about all the time on this show, the big band and nostalgia station. Eight years later, I took over for him as the afternoon drive DJ at rock and roll station Rocket 101 in Erie, Pennsylvania. Small world, especially in that industry. So that was a blast from my past as I looked up info about a recording from more than 70 years ago. Well, I wasn't a percussionist. But it was in the family. My brother was, his three sons were, my sister's son is. So I've heard a lot of pounding. That was wonderful music. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Rusty. Is there anyone in the orchestra you would like to meet? Peter the piano. I'm afraid he saw you and left already, Rusty. But why? Why? He's a little angry with you, Rusty, because you said unpleasant things about him when you were practicing, remember? But I didn't mean it. 
I really didn't mean that. Never mind him now, Rusty. Let's meet the Woodwind family. The Woodwinds? Who are they? Here they come now. I'll introduce them to you. This is Clarence the Clarinet. Hello. And that thin fellow there is Popo the Opo. Good day. And the two silver fellows in the family, the flute and his baby brother, the piccolo. And the big awkward bassoon. I am the voice of the big bassoon. And this is their cousin, Sammy the saxophone. He has all the curves in the family. And now that you've all met Rusty, boys, how about playing something special for him? Well, I like that, all right. But how about all those big drums and bells and cymbals and things? Uh, that is the percussion family. Did you notice the big kettle drums? They just hit me on the head all the time, boy. <laughs> I don't think I'd like to be a kettle drum to have somebody beat me. All the percussion family are played by striking, Rusty. But it doesn't really hurt them. Even the little bells are struck like this. And the chimes. And the more playful of the family, the xylophone. That's all very interesting. But I still think I'd like to play the piano best of all. Because you can play so many notes all at once. Well, Rusty, I'll see if Peter the piano will meet you. You see, he's so proud, because he comes from a very old and aristocratic family, descendants of Mr. Hopsicord. You haven't been very polite to him, but I'll tell him you're sorry. Then perhaps he'll want to meet you. Side E, woodwind and percussion. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. As soon as I saw this record in the freshly found boxes of 78 RPMs that belonged to my dad, I knew this would be the first featured shellac record. After hearing it, you can now imagine how hypnotized I was at a young age listening not only to the instruments talk, but hearing how each actually sounded solo and in an orchestra. The producers of this record truly accomplished what they set out to do, teach children music appreciation in an entertaining way. And I know this collection had a profound impact on my musical upbringing, and I'm happy my sister and brother-in-law were able to hold on to it, and I was really happy to have you listen to it with me again. Now, last but not least, the conclusion. Well, Rusty, here's Peter the piano. I'm sorry I hit you and wouldn't practice. That's all right, Rusty. I forgive you. And now can I play you a real piece? 
Not just those old scales. Remember, you have to practice scales before you can play the piano well. But since you're in Orchestraville, where anyone can play without practicing, try playing the piano's favorite, The Minute Waltz by Chopin. I will. sound asleep. Why, Mother, what happened to the conductor and the piano? The piano is right over there where you left it. Now you get right back to practicing. Practicing? Oh, yes, Mother. I'll practice. I'll practice hard. I'm going to be a great musician. Well, you've certainly changed. I don't know what's gotten into that boy. Sometimes I think I'll never understand. I'm really going to practice now so that I can play for real. When I've practiced for a long time, the first piece I'm going to play will be Chopin's Minute Wall. That one I played in Orchestraville. Final side F with piano and conclusion with piano played by Raymond Turner. And there you have selections for the first 78 RPM Sunday. So thanks for tuning into Volume 57, Rusty in Orchestraville, however you did. If you want more information about this show, head over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops for Volume 58, TV's Golden Hits. Until then, go with the flow, my friends.